podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show, Edge Rush, in association with Betfred. Good to have you with us, gang, as we get you set for some of the best action that you should be looking at uh, on the Week 12 slate. I say, producer Ollie, the best action that our listeners should be looking at on the Week 12 slate. We've already given them some gems, of course, because Thanksgiving was a double header in the end as opposed to the trifecta with the, the movement of the, the Steelers-Ravens game. But on the games that did go ahead, we did all right, didn't we? We did okay. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a good Thanksgiving. That I think it's safe to say. I mean, we did expect there to be a lot of points in Houston Texans game against Detroit Lions. So we didn't yeah. quite expect the Texans to be able to put up the points total almost by themselves. To be honest, <laughs> I love it when you meet it over with one team securing it, or conversely, when one team like the Tampa Bay New Orleans game a few weeks back when the Saints were rolling and the, what, the three points the Bucks put up which three just points. decimated yeah. the half time it was just rubbing our hands like the over is definitely coming in <laughs> maybe it's not alright let's get down to business so we've got uh, let's have a look three games we're going to look at in, in a bit more detail Prop O is back uh, with the prop bets uh, i got a long shot as well the Edge Rush Acker of the week, that's where we're picking, uh, it's a money line treble, essentially. Three teams that we like the look of, bundle them together for uh, some all right action. All right, let's get down to business with Bucks Chiefs, first of all. Probably the game of the weekend, I think, uh, fair to say. And uh, it's fair to say that we're expecting a lot of points in this one as well, right? Oh, 100%. The over-under is at 56.5. It started at 53, but unsurprisingly, all the money has been coming in on the over. That's largely due to the fact that it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Tom Brady, and they both have playmakers. So why wouldn't you expect points? Uh, the Chiefs actually average a league-high 32 points per game. The Bucks score 29. So quick maths, Nat. Mm, don't test Th- me on too much of maths, but go on. I'll give it a go. No, 32 plus 29 is more than 56 and a half. 61? 61, ah, yes, exactly. See, there you go, there you go. Quickly. Now, Carlson and I uh, broke down this game over on our, our preview pod, uh, so go and check that out if you haven't listened to it all, already. I will say that, quite obviously, the Chiefs have a fallibility defensively, particularly on the ground, so it's going to be interesting to see how much the Bucks try and establish the ground game, not just, of course, to get productivity from it, but also to set up the play action, which has been so successful for, for Brady this season. There's a lot of criticism that is being thrown at them in terms of what Arians and Byron Leftwich are, are doing, play calling and how, I guess, retro and, and old school and quite static this offense looks like. And this will be, in principle, in stark contrast to the Chiefs, who are the, the prototype, really, of a contemporary offense, of course. But I think that's maybe a bit overstated and... I wouldn't be surprised at all if they look to the ground game, get Ronald Jones rolling. He's, what, 755, 50-odd uh, yards uh, this season, uh, five touchdowns, averaging around 70 a game. So Fournette uh, in the mix as well. So I think if they establish that, they will be able to rack up points against the Chiefs. And we know that the Chiefs can score against any defense, even one as sturdy as the Bucks. So I, I like the over a lot. Even at 56.5, we should put that in context, Doll. It sounds like a very big number. And, and it is. But in, in 2020, that is not ridiculously high, right? I mean, it's, you know, if 50 is the mean, as you called it, uh, 
last time out, then 56 and a half is, is requiring a lot of action on both sides, but, but definitely attainable. Definitely attainable. It doesn't scare me. No, I don't think it scares me either, to be honest. I think that's largely due to the fact that both of these offences, when given the right defence to play against, just can absolutely go to town. And realistically, the one thing that Casey really struggled to do is stop the run. Yeah. And Tampa Bay has a 4-1 and one overall record when a team rushes for at least 98 yards. And I think they will be easily be able to do that against the Kansas City Chiefs this week. And I also think that, as we said last week, first of all, what are the two things that Tom Brady struggles with? Playing late at night? <laughs> <laughs> playing, late, playing, playing at prime time. That's the, the favourite narrative of the season. And, of course, uh, pressure up the middle, right? Exactly. A hard game to pick in terms of you know, Chiefs minus three and a half, right? I mean, that's a, a, above that line, uh, you know, the, uh, above the three or above the two and a half to be precise. So, no, feel strongly about that. But the overall, I call, I, 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 I think I'm shading over. Are you, you got that glint in your eye? Yeah, I'm shading over on this one. I'm also, as long as the line stays at three and a half, I'm shading the Bucks. I just believe that this game is going to be simply one of, can Tom Brady score more points than Patrick Mahomes? And I think that the way that this Chiefs defense plays, realistically, I think they have the chance to, or if not, get very close. So I think three and a half is quite generous, and I'd be likely to take that as well. All right. Bears-Packers next. Packers, unsurprisingly, heavy favorites for this one, right? Yeah, 100%. Chicago off a bye following four straight defeats. Looks like Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starter, though, as uh, Foles is struggling with a hip injury. Turn after Mitch. Exactly. But regardless of whether Mitch or Nick Foles has played, they have failed to score more than 23 points in a game since week three. Ugh, ugly. Week uh, three. And they have one of the worst rushing games in the league. It's just not much fun to be a Bears fan right now. Well, I think they had, like, it was a defensive player who got their leading rushing, yes. their leading rushing <laughs> yeah, stats yeah, a week yeah, ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I think is an incredible feat. And then obviously on the other side, you have Green Bay, who averaged the third most points in the league. Devontae Adams, 10 touchdowns in eight games. Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers playing some incredible, incredible football at the minute. It's just whether their defense can hold up. But when you're playing an offense like Chicago's, it probably shouldn't be too difficult. Well, yeah, that's that, yeah for the line certainly, and, and and it's a what nine and a half is a is a is hefty, yeah. but but I, I I like that logic that the Bears just won't be able to get a huge amount done, much more than the over, right, or the over under. Although it's very low at forty four and a half, but seven out of ten games for the Bears have gone under, right? So that that's something to bear in mind. Yeah, if you're not really buying into any uplift and uptick and, and, and galvanization of the of the offense with Mitch returning. I mean, I guess he gives them more on the, you know, with his legs. I, I guess that's kind of one advantage, but I, uh, You're clutching. I <laughs> yeah, come on, Bears. They're still going to make the playoffs probably. I, yeah, it, it, look, it comes down to whether you think that despite the, the obvious concerns and frailties of this Green Bay side, uh, and I don't necessarily mean defensively, even with the offense, missteps, receivers, Valdez-Scantling in particular being erratic. If you think that's enough to scare you off what is, you know, quite a, uh, making the Bears quite a heavy dog here. But I, I, again, don't feel massively strongly on either. Would lean Packers probably. Uh, yeah, I'd take, take the nine and a half because I think Green Bay win it comfortably. But uh, it's not, for me, something that really stands out this weekend. But do you like, do you feel strongly on either of those? 
No, I don't. But it has to be said that the Sharps have leaned one way, and that's for sure. And that is on Green Bay and yeah. the under. So the under, the over under started actually about 46 and a half and has moved its way down to 44 and a half. And Packers actually started as only seven and a half point favorites. So it means that a lot of money has been coming in on both the Packers and the under. And I think that is actually solely down to the reason that the Bears have one of the worst offenses in the league. I think that's the, genuinely the reason why both of those numbers have been changing. And it's hard to argue against it. You know, I don't like a number that high necessarily, but I'm exactly with you. I'd stay away from the total and probably lean towards the Packers if I was going to. Okay, a game I feel much more strongly about is Colts-Titans, another... Uh, mm. uh, yeah, oh, you see, I'm surprised that I feel strongly about that. Do you as well? Are we going to disagree on this? No, I don't think I, we are going to disagree on this. I just think it's mm. an interesting one because I've seen two very different arguments being posed cool. sort of around in terms of what people are saying about these two teams. Mm-hmm. So I'm intrigued to see what you think. All right, well, I will tell you that I'm... I'm, I'm Oh, I'm all over the Titans here. Maybe even Titans money line. Certainly Ooh. Titans plus three, which at the time of recording is is where the li- uh, the line is, right? Yeah, it is. So it's a minus three, and the over under is at fifty one and a half. Uh, okay, so uh, so much emphasis on what happened a couple of weeks back, right? Let's break that game down a bit. When the Colts ultimately won comfortably based on their second half performance and and, and the score in the end, right? The Titans were. Obviously, in front at halftime, and the reason that game ran away from them was not solely this, but a significant factor was special teams and punting in particular. Right? They had there were two touchdowns that were scored from erratic mistakes that typically don't happen. That you know you can't necessarily uh, you know it's a little bit like turnover ratio when you're looking at a team that has such a distinctive turnover ratio in their advantage, that will level itself out. And it's the same thing when you look at, when you break down this game, it wasn't a case of the Colts. Yes, they stifled the Titans in the second half, but there are reasons for that. I mean, Henry had a decent game, but it was a bad performance from Tannehill and they happen from time to time. Even in the space of two weeks, they've got their offense humming again, right? AJ Brown is balling, absolutely balling. Henry is always going to be a factor. The Colts couldn't contain him last time, even though they've got one of the best run defenses in the NFL. So I think they'll do that again. You can't win a game most of the time just on Henry and the Titans. And that is where I think they've been hot and cold this season because their passing game, unlike last season where it was so consistent and Tannehill was so consistent, has been a little bit topsy-turvy. But I think they're coming into this game in their groove. And I think they're going to be an altogether different proposition. To summarize, they were running the Colts close last time out when they weren't playing particularly well. And I think they'll. I think the line for me, the number is critical. Three points. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm across that for sure. I like that, and it's interesting because I think I. I was. I have to say I'm indifferent on terms of the line between the two teams purely based on the fact that I've been going against Philip Rivers for the past couple of weeks, and he always seems to bite me back. Which so I'm kind of afraid to go against him this week, just because I think the Colts' offense is actually a lot better than people are giving it credit for. But the one thing I do like about so it's funny because so- a lot a lot of people see it the other way. I've had it the other way around over the yeah. years. Philip Rivers has. Uh, they've come unstuck because they've backed Rivers and <laughs> Rivers has done something ridiculous. Yeah. Bro, but you're, you're experiencing the other way. Oh, one hundred percent. It's because earlier, earlier on in the season, I was watching a lot of Colts games and finding it painful to witness Philip Rivers trying to throw it past twenty yards, and he was really struggling to get anything going on offense. But the way they utilize the tight ends 
means that they are actually quite flexible on offense and actually quite dynamic. And I think one of the key statistics is the fact that the Titans can't really stop the run very well. And when Indianapolis rushers gain at least combined 109 yards this season, they are 5-1 and one overall. Mm. So I think that would be a key statistic. But the one I'm leaning towards is the over. And I think if Tennessee are going to win it, because I don't think the Tennessee defense is very good, I think they're just going to have to score points on yeah. this Colts defense I think that's yeah. the only way they're going to be able to do it or cover this line anyway I think Tannehill as you said he had a bad game in the previous matchup but he's thrown 20 touchdowns and three interceptions that's one hell of a ratio and one that probably doesn't get talked about enough Tennessee is one of the three teams with the league best seven to one record against the over under you've got Derek Henry who when he gets going is impossible to stop so I see there actually being quite a lot of points in this game with the Colts I always see it the exact same with the Packers game and I think it's going to be the same with this game I think it's going to go down to the wire I think it's going to be tight going down the stretch I think it just depends who makes the play in the final quarter or even in overtime as we saw when MVS fumbled the ball for the Packers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They look, really, really strong argument. And and actually, I think you convinced me to, to look at the over because it is, uh, again, in 2020 terms, a, a relatively modest 51.5. I, I think that's a really good look. I, I, I'm still sticking with with the Titans plus three because, it, again, play the number. That's often often really, really critical. And I think there is recency bias in, in effect here without necessarily deep diving into the reasons why the Titans were on paper beaten so comprehensively last time around. I think it's an altogether different Tennessee team that you're seeing coming into this because the passing game is chiming. And I think that's going to cause the Colts problems and, and keep it close. And I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that uh, they are going to run away with it as they have done. And you were pointing out before we started recording in your always deeply researched uh, running order, uh, producer, each of the Colts six victories other than last week's overtime win against Green Bay has been decided by at least four points, right? So when they win, they, they tend to win comfortably. Uh, but I think that ends uh, this time around, uh, or certainly if, uh, if they do, I don't think it's going to be by that margin. And uh, like I said, I not even like a sneaky Tennessee money line. Yeah. Uh, it, throw to that be in fair, well. interestingly, now, everyone uh, in terms of the sharps, in terms of the money has been going towards the Titans, this line actually opened up at four and a half right. and has moved its way down to three. I think a lot of people believe that number was way too big at the start, which I tend to agree with. But yeah, I think it's going to be a close game, this one, and it could go either way. Oh, you know where I like to roll with, uh, who I like to roll with and where I like to hang with the Sharps, right? That's, yes. uh, you, you love the Sharps. <laughs> love the Sharps. You speaking love of, the Sharps. Speaking of which, prop O, time for your prop bets. You got three goodies. Talk us through. My first one is quite a big, actually I've gone for a couple of big numbers, but I do expect these players to have big days. The first one, and I know you've got an opinion on this game, so I'll come to you afterwards. Mm. Robbie Anderson versus the Vikings. Over 72 and a half yards. I mean, Anderson ranks ninth amongst wide receivers in yards. There's no doubt he has benefited massively by moving away from the Jets. <laughs> I think we can say that. Say that. <laughs> and I, I say every player week. ever. Yeah, exactly. I love his matchup this week. He's going to be covered by Cameron Dantzler, the rookie, who's been absolutely burned in coverage whenever he has had to take on anyone of any caliber. Um, and when, when Minnesota at home, interestingly, they seem to not be able to stop the passing game at all. So when they're away from home, they only concede on average about 220 yards passing per game. At home, 300 passing yards per game. So whatever mm. it is about them playing at home means they struggle to stop the pass. And I think with Teddy Bridgewater very much likely to return this week, Anderson's going to have a very good time. So I think he's going to go over 72 and a half yards. Nice. Like it. And, and your little uh, aside on that, I like the over in this game a lot, particularly yeah. with Teddy, Teddy back. I think we're both, we're both in lockstep on that, right? We like, yeah. we like the over. 
Yeah, 100%. I think whenever the game seems to be played in Minnesota, there always seems to be lots of points. And Kirk Cousins has been incredible, by the way, at home in Minnesota. If you look at some of his stacks, I think he's the best fourth quarter quarterback in the league at home, Kirk Cousins. There's a, there's a niche statistic you, for you. I love that stat. I'm going to get you a t-shirt, maybe even a mug that just says, Kirk Cousins has been incredible in the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is going to really come back to bite me. That really will. I mean, they usually probably still lose, but he seems to throw touchdowns nonetheless, even if oh, they're in vain. Great. The stats um, always look good for Kirk, even if yeah, uh, exactly. the rest of it doesn't. My second one, sadly, it does come against the Bengals. I think Evan Ingram is going to have a big game against Cincinnati. I think the Giants are going to have a lot of the ball. I don't think Ryan Finley is going to be able to get much going on the offensive side. And over 37.5 yards, I think, for Evan Ingram will be quite easy. He only managed 15 yards in Week 10 against the Eagles, but prior to that, had over 40 receiving yards in his previous three games. So I don't see why there's going to be why anything different would happen this week. And the Bengals' opponents have targeted their tight ends 23% of the time which is the third highest mark in the league. And just Cincinnati looked like they just can't stop tight ends. And I'm actually a big fan of Evan Ingram. I think he's someone who also would benefit from moving out of New York, realistically. So yeah, I expect them to use Evan Ingram a lot. Daniel Jones will go to him as much as he can. And yeah, I expect him to easily go over the 37 and a half mark. And the last one is a big number. And I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit more apprehensive about this one. But nonetheless, I still just think I'm such a big fan of him. You actually had a good conversation with him which I witnessed in Miami for the Super Bowl, which is Darren Waller. Ah, uh, yeah. Such a great guy. What an amazing story. If you don't know about it, go check it out. I think he's going to get over 57 and a half yards. The Falcons concede on average 62 yards to tight ends a game. And this isn't just any tight end. It's Darren Waller. He gets targeted a quarter of the time by Derek Carr when he throws the ball, which is a lot. And obviously, wow. I think a lot of people are expecting a shootout between the Falcons and the Raiders. So I expect Derek Carr to be throwing the ball a lot. The number is high, as well as only received more than 57 yards three times this season. But going down the stretch, playoffs on the line, Derek Carr is going to throw to his best players. And Darren Waller is certainly one of those. So I see him going over 57 and a half yards. I love it. Proposition O, nailing it. Like uh, all three of those. Incidentally, you've obviously been doing your homework and listening to the shows that you don't actually produce for us during the week uh, because that's not always, always a given. But uh, you mentioned I interviewed Darren Waller at the Super Bowl. As you'll know, Mike and I spent a long time on the show yesterday, uh, which we dropped Friday uh, morning, uh, talking about players on the Hall of Fame semi-final list that I've interviewed. That's a really <laughs> it's a fascinating, fascinating two minutes of, uh, of your time to go check that out, including the, the now legendary uh, Tiger Woods Golf with Rondé Barber. We were suggesting that uh, what we should do during the Hall of Fame discussion when they're all sitting around deciding who should make the cut, that should be put forward as evidence for why, for why Rondé should be in. Uh, so that Darren Mollard touches us. But also, and you must be listening to the whole episode because comedian David Whitney on the show as well, a big New York Giants fan, was discussing uh, how players just always get better the moment they leave <laughs> New York. And we were making the comparison. It's a bit like uh, West Ham fans out there will, will sympathize with this. Why Two things really with this. Why when players most of the time come to West Ham, they suddenly cease to be good. Uh, although things are looking up now, but that's that's historically seems to be the case. Uh, and secondarily, why players will always score against West Ham when they haven't, if that, if somebody, if you hear a, a stat, which is so-and-so hasn't scored in 14 games, they'll score, <laughs> guaranteed to score against West Ham. I'll try to find the NFL equivalent of that. Which team, which team is, is one that will break bad streaks for <laughs> probably the Jets, maybe. The oh Jets. yeah, the Jets, all the Jaguars this season could easily Ooh, have Jack. one. We'll get onto that in just a second. We go on to our Acker, but I think it's time for your long shot, Nat. So look, 
I guess we've got to look at what constitutes a long shot. And maybe there's something we can develop throughout the, the course of the season with Edge Rush, put a few dogs together. But I think it is obviously, you know, it's obviously a dog, it's obviously a team getting points. So the one that stands out for me is Carolina. They're getting three against Minnesota. We, we said we like that game uh, anyway, all for, for the over. Uh, certainly with the plus, plus three, I like. Uh, the money line is worth the roll of the dice as well. Lots of reasons for this. They were strong, obviously, against Detroit last time out without Teddy uh, and defensively, of course, in particular, shutting out Matt Stafford for the first time in his career. That's not to be underestimated. This Viking side lost to, to Dallas and, uh, you know, extraordinary, really, that their run came to an end against, uh, against the Cowboys, who, who, as was evidenced again last night at Thanksgiving, are a mediocre side. So I think this is a really intriguing line. Does it say three is, is definitely interesting and you'll get, uh, I reckon, around about even just over there, for, but the money line, uh, even uh, even better there. I, I'd take a look at that, like Carolina. Yeah, no, I have to say, I, I do really like that pick, Nat. I think looking at the way Minnesota imploded defensively against Dallas and seeing how easy it is actually to stunt Dallas defensively, as we saw against Washington last night, I think that Carolina should find it relatively easy to put points on this Minnesota defense. And I think the way that Teddy Bridgewater can manage a game, I think utilizing DJ Moore, utilizing Robbie Anderson, as I've already said in the podcast, and also Mike Davis. I know everyone talks about no Christian McCaffrey, but Mike Davis has been incredibly productive in both the receiving game and the rushing game. So I, I really like that pick. I think that Minnesota are an incredibly inconsistent team. So I think we might see the only... My only issue with that or my only fear with that is the idea that you can get a completely different Minnesota team week on weeks. You don't know which one's going to turn up. And obviously Dalvin Cook, incredible player. So he could easily just run all over this Panthers team. But in terms of there being value, I see there being a lot of value in this Carolina Panthers team. One of the sneaky ones, I mentioned that I like the Titans earlier as well, again, is, and taking their money line would be uh, would definitely represent, I think, a, a, a long shot. But I still, I still like that, certainly with the points. But I like Arizona, only giving up one against... New England, you know, this is uh, a defense that New England's that is ranked 32nd uh, on defensive DVOA. Kyler's shoulders hurt, which is is obviously a concern and, and to bear in mind. But I was surprised at, uh, at that they're not heavier favorites here. Now, you've got a smile and a smoke on your face. So what? what? But you, you obviously disagree with this. What? No, 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 I don't disagree with you. But what does that remind you of? Trap game. Yeah, it just reminds me of Miami last week. There's no reason for the Patriots coming off a loss against the Houston Texans to be effectively a pick'em against Mm. the Arizona Cardinals who have beaten the Seahawks already this season and Kyler Murray has been putting in MVP caliber performances. Is it Kyler's shoulder they're worried about? Do you think that's why it's they think he'll be less less mobile? It's going to take they're they're going to take less risks in terms of design runs for him, and maybe that's what it is. But I don't know. I still I still I still like it. I like Arizona, but I'm not certain as I am about our edge rush act of the week. Our money line treble. Three teams on the money line. Put them together. Currently seven to four on the Betfred site. So that sounds interesting. Oh, we're going with the Saints to win, Seattle to win, and Cleveland to win. Yes, we are. Let's start with Cleveland. They are taking a trip to Jacksonville. And the Browns, for the first time, are going to have the opportunity to throw the ball because there's going to be nice weather in Jacksonville instead of them playing in Cleveland. In Jacksonville wrangled sleep. I, I, yeah, I, exactly. I, I, so I think still, Yeah, still worry. You got you got Baker. And he got Glennon, the return of Glennon. Uh, that slightly worries me. I don't want to talk ourselves out of the trouble. No, no, no. We're gonna, I'm going to stay with it. Cleveland all the way. So what? You're scared of Glennon? I'm scared. I'm, 
I'm scared of the Mike Glenn advance. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Well, it kind of got much worse with, with respect to, to, to Jake Luton. I mean, boy. Uh, that was tough. It was tough. I, oh, God, talk about wrong situation, wrong time, right? It's amazing how certain quarterbacks just get parachuted into a difficult situation you never hear from them again, which is kind of, kind of Mike Glenn's history in a way. Uh, okay, so Cleveland first. In Baker, we trust. I like that. Seattle? Uh, yeah, Seattle. See, Seattle's an interesting one because there's been a lot of money coming in on Philadelphia and the line has actually moved around. It started at three and then moved out to five. So right. three, obviously, there seemed to be a ridiculous amount of value there for Seattle. So put loads of money uh, was put on that. But then as soon as it moved out to five, a lot of people are putting a lot of value on this Philadelphia defense and the way that it's kind of recovered from a lot of the injury problems they had. So now that the line has moved out that far, people have been coming in on Philadelphia. So why are you so convinced that Seattle are going to win this one? Oh, because they are demonstrably a class apart. I think their defense, much maligned defense, is starting to get some pass rush going as well. I, I This is a bad Philadelphia side. I mean, look, it, it doesn't take rocket signs that any team in the NFC East you would qualify as bad. Uh, they have, it's not even a, a fair fight, I think, on the coaching side as well. A, a, you look at, you know, breakdown all the different components of a team it's virtually uptick for seattle everywhere except you know, even 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 their weak links even like secondary is not it's not it's not even that clear cut so yeah seattle all the way for me i feel very similarly about new orleans who is the third right. part of our treble i mean the new orleans d have given up one touchdown in the past three games yeah the only reason denver beat miami was because of the fact they could run the ball so successfully new orleans is the number one ranked defense against the run in the NFL. So that means that Drew Locke is going to be coming under a stupid amount of pressure. And when that happens, I tend to always fade Denver because it means he's going to be forced to throw the ball. He's going to be forced into making mistakes. I don't think he's going to be dancing his way around the Denver field, sadly, this week. I think that this could be an absolute... I think this could be verging on a shutout from the New Orleans defense against this team. I'm not even that bothered by what Taysom Hill does on the other side of the ball. I think he only needs to put up 14 points to win this game. Well, Taysom Hill, you know, was pretty pretty competent. And a lot of people are saying, well, you know, I mean, for, for, for his debut, he didn't no turnover. He's got another week another week getting used to this as well. hundred percent with you on this new Orleans all the way. And it, at the beginning of the end for, for Drew Locke in, in Denver, God, we, we, they come back and jinx us again, two weeks in a row. That's going to be trouble. Yeah, we could, but I'm even going to double down on this now, my anti Denver narrative and say that I actually do quite like a lock over one and a half interceptions at six to four as well. I mean, this could honestly be, I don't know. I think Drew Lock might actually haunt my dreams if Denver firstly cover the spread against New Orleans, even win this game, or if Drew Lock goes for 300 plus yards and throws mm. the three touchdowns with zero interceptions. <laughs> I would have to hang my hat up next week for sure on my anti-Denver narrative, but I'm not sure just yet. As you know, Nat, I love to, <laughs> I love to buy low, sell high. You do. And right now, Denver off a win against Miami, I think people are actually going to value them higher than they should be. So I'm all New Orleans for this one. I, I promise you one thing. Christmas is coming soon. Oh, I am buying your Drew Lock jersey. If, if Denver <laughs> mess up our, uh, uh, which we had a lock of the week last week they messed up if they mess up our acker of the week Drew Lock jersey coming your way at Christmas I might even get you one anyway yeah fair enough I mean I don't think I, I could I don't think I could wear it um, I think again that would just be damaging to my psyche but yeah uh, I can't see it happening please don't do this again Denver I can't sit there and watch a Denver Broncos team struggle to another victory like I did last Sunday god that was painful
What do you think of our, going back to that Jacksonville-Cleveland game, uh, David Whitney and I came up with a, an idea of, uh, with Mike Glennon in for the Jacksonville this week, uh, for Jacksonville the rest of the season or until Gardner Minshew's fit again, just starting mediocre quarterbacks from the last 10 years in the, in the NFL. So, Blade Gabbert gets a start, Christian Ponder. Do you like it? Uh, I actually think that's a great shout. I think, why not Jacksonville? Because they're going to end up with, hopefully, in their, uh, in their minds, Trevor Lawrence anyway, or Justin Fields. So I think you might as well have like a, like a carousel or like a showpiece. Just that all of the NFL quarterbacks who realistically are never going to start a game again in the league. Just say, why don't you go and have a quarter one more each. chance? One more quarter. Yeah, yeah I mean, one more quarter what? each. And then just made- see what they can do made that a reality show <laughs> let's, find, let's find wherever Matt Castle is right now let's find him and he has a week to get ready he has a week to learn the offense and get and go next Sunday I reckon can, I, I would watch that yeah I'd watch that or you could even go as far as going back obviously in a brilliant book Paper Lion you oh, could brilliant. even just start getting journalists to play quarterback for Jacksonville Jaguars mate my time is now is what you're well, saying no, what right? about you at receiver and Carlson at quarterback what about deal, we try that deal. I think my quarterback days I think we've established that that's not my position but I'm in where would you play on you'd be uh, quite a good I like as a tight end tight. <laughs> I can see you as a tight I can see you as a tight end but are you a kind of unreconstructed old school blocky first tight end or are you more of a the direct opposite I, uh, I don't. I won't block finesse. You won't put the hard hard graft in. No, want, definitely not. No, I'm strictly just about the flashy catches. That's all I'm about. <laughs> and I actually double up as a kicker as well. Yeah, th- yeah. I've seen tape of, of you in Miami. Kick- actually, thinking about that <laughs> from 40 yards, Nat. From 40 <laughs> yards, mate. I think my 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 kick is on film straight through. That's a bit. Olofsky big big up my kicking, if I remember rightly. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he yeah did. no, he did. He did pick up your kicking. Your kicking's not bad, but no, I'm afraid that is... Uh, you say my kicking's not bad. When I showed you, showed you the video of that kick, you were just in hysterics, shaking your head. Let's, uh, let's not beat around the bush there. All right. Well, our NFL playing day is probably over, but I do like that idea anyway. And that is a nice way to wrap up another edge rush hope you've enjoyed that remember of course uh if you do get involved with any of the action you've got to be 18 plus uh please gamble responsibly gambleaware.org is the website you need to check out and the odds that we've referenced here on the show uh accurate at the time of recording at the time of recording which is uh, friday afternoon uh bet fred are back with their double delight offer on first touchdown scores they picked the titans colts and chiefs bucks this week uh so if, for example if you fancy derrick henry to score the first touchdown in the titans game and he does but then scores a second as well that is quite conceivable bet fred will double your odds and pay you out in cash loving that singles only bets must be placed prior to kickoff to qualify bet fred rules apply in full terms at betfred.com forward slash promotions 18 plus, begambleaware.org, and please gamble responsibly. Best of luck, Prop O, with the weekend's action. You're back in the producing side on Monday, right, for our Week 12 preview show. Nikki Bandini in the house? Yes, Nikki Bandini is in the house. We're hopefully going to be talking about, for both of us, an Arizona win, and she is an Arizona Cardinals fan, so we'll be reviewing mm-hmm. that Patriots game in depth, and hopefully you'll be a happy man. And yeah, I just, I just really hope that Denver don't win. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so do I, because otherwise it's going to cost me like 120 quid for your Drew Lock. <laughs> Drew. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll be in the sale. <laughs> Although if he keeps winning, they probably won't, right? If he keeps yeah, hanging exactly. on to the exactly. uh, Great work, Carl. Good to see you. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We're back Monday with our Week 12 review show. Look forward to it. See you then, gang. Bye for now. Podcast Network.